0: Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Sitting here today to my left... With songwriter, party maker, rump shaker, the one and only B. Jordan. Make some notes for the internet.
1: How you doing? Good, good. Yeah, lovely. It's good to see you. Yeah, likewise. I feel like this is a funny way for the two of us to officially meet. Yes. So, I mean, we have we've
0: met in the past, very long times ago. Uh, at what in, point? In old bands that we both played in. Okay. Like we're we're gonna we can decade rewind this shit. Yeah. So uh-huh. I played in a band called Old Fears.
1: Yo, okay. I yeah, was yeah. the singer
0: in Old Fears.
1: With uh with Matt Very and yeah. Brandon Musser and Kevin Very Proto. Tight. Yes, 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 okay. yes. Okay.
0: And you were in a band called Worn Out Tigers. Yeah, at that point, yeah. And uh I've said this plenty of times. I'm gonna just throw this out there now. Uh-huh. That Worn Out Tigers is the reason I started giving a shit about local music.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Uh
0: I had it was I was just one of those people where I mean growing up you're a teenager the only shows that you know about are like, you know, when the bands that you like, you know, the mall bands are coming through town and shit like yeah. that. And I knew people that played in bands, but it was always like kind of weird. I never felt like I was supposed to be at those shows cuz I didn't know anybody at the time. Yeah. And then um I think before you were Worn Out Tigers, you had another name, didn't you?
1: Uh, with that band yeah like
0: there's like a a, a weirder name or something yeah Aubrey los that's what it was i saw you (laughs) i saw you opened up for somebody with that name i can't remember what band it was i think it might have been at roboto like old roboto Mm. um and i remember like who the fuck is this band and it like opened up like oh they're from here cool and then i started like going to a lot more local shows and that was partially like y'all's
1: fault yeah good perfect so that's i, I, I like.
0: believe i believe i have told jack and max that over the years <laughs> but i haven't had a chance to tell Excellent. you that so nice that's awesome and here we are all these years later yes yeah. I guess officially meeting actually having i a think conversation. this is the
1: first like real conversation yeah
0: for sure for sure we've been in rooms and yelled in microphones around right. each other but
1: right and i feel like it's always been you know your circle and my circle whatever that means like slowly overlapping but it's always been do you know brian howe yes i yeah. do know brian howe uh but it's always been like yeah, what up dude yeah and totally
0: then, yeah there's it's a you know big big small city there's a yeah it's a small town but also there's definitely like circles of people and once you're like in a band or doing music i mean i don't even know what you consider what you're doing now if it's like a <laughs> band or a solo thing or a mixture because you're obviously working with other people and stuff we can yeah. get into that mm. but um you just kind of like get into your bubbles and you make friends with people in those social circles and like without even intentionally getting like separated from different people it just it just happens it's inevitable yeah. i think
1: yeah uh yeah i don't know what i would call this <laughs> this is a uh so
0: yeah let's talk about it
1: yeah It's a thing. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) That's exactly it. I like when people say, I love this new direction or this new sound because it's never a new... That's never how I think about it. It's like I'm making a playlist constantly. The project is just me doing whatever I feel like doing at any moment. And it's a lot of fun. More focused on live show and how it's presented. The idea being, if Ariana Grande is like one person who can... You know, sing into a microphone with a backing track. Why can't I do it at Gooskies? And why can't I bring like arena level lights and shit to a smaller stage, like your local Pittsburgh audience? Yeah. So it's fun. Uh, Max, who you mentioned, helped me make these like light boxes. You know, like the metal band Ego Riser thing. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So we took that. <laughs> and the metal band Ego Riser. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly things. what I'm yeah, talking about. The yeah. box with the lights. And that was like, wow. Well, yeah you, you know exactly what I'm talking about yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> uh so we took those made that like out of wood and then put plexiglass on top with uh light switch so when you step on yeah. like, the flood lights come up and fog machines but for me I use it as a modular stage essentially so if I go to a place that doesn't have a stage I could set it up uh and turn whatever area into like a light up catwalk or a six foot by three foot you know performance space. Yeah, and a lot of my shows include uh, drag queens, and if there's like, it's nice to have like a lit up area that you can like you know strut on and dance on, and have just a little bit of a stage in a club that doesn't. Yeah. have one.
0: I love production on shows. Yeah. It's yeah. so fun, and with my Sykes and a New Violence project, mm-hmm. we are very much like you know projectors visuals i've yep. done outfit changes in between right. sets and had like little skits and things and uh i just actually bought a shit ton of lights and i'm getting into like <laughs> midi programming the yeah. lights to the show and stuff and doing all that stuff i love it but it's like you know we're taking all of this stuff to howlers or Roboto right. and it's right. you know i'm not playing fucking stage ae
1: right well I'm, i would yeah but it's just right. it's
0: fun to just like even if I'm like, even if it's not my show, I could be opening up for someone. Yeah. And I'm still like the asshole that's bringing in like a full fucking thing because it's right. Like, that's how I want you, you should, to see though. this. Yeah,
1: you should do that. Yeah, I there's love no it. reason. One of the things that like seems prohibitive about light shows is there's obviously you think there's a learning curve, or you're like, I don't know how if I buy a bunch of lights, how am I going to set this up in a new place? What you don't realize as a musician is that a light setup transfers information over dmx cables which is the same as an xlr cable so if you're playing at spirit there's already a snake of cables that goes from the uh like from warren's area the like <laughs> front of house sound area to the stage so you already have all your cables run for you you just need to connect it on the stage yeah so things are easy it takes like a second to figure out what that's going to look like at each place
0: well i feel anything in general can seem scary if you don't take the time to just Mm -hmm. look into it yeah it's funny because you know getting into this dmx lighting you know i was so intimidated but now i've had the lights for under a month and i already know how they work fully and i have like a whole thing programmed out it's just Mm -hmm. you know i think there's like obviously there's like the barrier that's a cost prohibitive like you got to buy all the shit yes but then once you have and it
1: could be kind of craigslist and you it have could be, craigslist and you have it, it could, facebook marketplace sure. it could be can,
0: intimidating to like be like i don't know how to use this stuff mm-hmm. and i'm dropping all this money but i don't know my like obsession over just like making the show bigger and bigger even though yeah. i'm not playing anywhere bigger it's just like consuming right. me whole well, but what,
1: i love it what does it mean playing somewhere bigger what is like who cares Hell, anywhere yeah. is bigger you know you make the show as big as you want it to be so
0: I think that, yeah, it's the whole, the energy that you put out into the world. Right. People were going to yeah. see that. I just have like a big pet peeve against uh trying to drag my friends and family out on a weekend to come watch us but do, do band dra-
1: practice. It's not dragging them out, you know? It's not if you give them something worth right. going to. Right, but if you think about it constantly as dragging someone out, then yeah. you're going to be projecting that like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know, I've asked this guy 10 times to come. It's not. It's always like, I'm doing something. It's going to be cool. You should trust me by now. This is going to be weird. And I'm going to try my hardest to make this as strange and engaging as possible. So show up if you can. If Hell you yeah. can't, you'll miss it and there'll be another one. I really fuck with your positivity.
0: You seem, you seem very, <laughs> very positive about oh, this.
1: Yeah, about this, about this. I mean, most of this stemmed from, uh, you remember the era of like 2008 to. Uh, I don't know, 15, 16, it's still happening in Pittsburgh where there's like bands would bring a vintage synthesizer on stage just to have a vintage synthesizer and it would be running MIDI from a laptop. So they're not even playing it. They're using it as this like expensive prop to say, look, I can afford a Juno, whatever I can afford this thing. Sure. And there was that era of everyone. It was cool to be like, just not give a shit to stand there and not do anything. And that over time has translated into just very boring live shows. Yeah. I've seen like some of like bands that I love listening to watch their live set and been bored to tears watching it. Uh, So any attempt at production value, anything goes an extremely long way. My whole thing, like the beginning of this project was how do you do it live? Right. I'm recording all these tracks uh, in my basement, got a studio set up, bought a bunch of synthesizers, Uh, trying to like learn how to do that, teach myself how to do that uh, using Reaper. And it's great. But then how do you translate the bedroom to the live show? And I didn't want to be someone who's sitting there with just a stack of shit everywhere, taking 50 minutes to set up. Because if you're playing a three, five band bill, you know that you have 15 minutes about in between each act. Well, if I've got 15 minutes, why am I setting up the synthesizer that I have at home? It's already recorded the best it's going to be. I'll set up lights in that time. I'll set up light boxes and yeah. a projector and something else that makes this interesting and engaging. Uh-huh. And then the first show I was trying to think of like who to perform with. And I was talking with a bunch of coworkers about um, bars you could go as a gay person. And they were like, oh, I've never been to Spirit before. Is that place like gay friendly or is that a place that I could go? And my answer is, yeah, definitely you can. But it's hard to tell someone this is a friendly space without showing them that it's a friendly space. So the first couple shows started as like, come to the show. Let me introduce you to people, introduce you to the staff, the bartender, whoever feel comfortable and uh, perform here, like do something with me on stage. And it was nice to incorporate drag queens because it's like very similar to pop music, but we call a like pop musician, a musician, and you call a drag queen a drag queen. Like no one says artist or musician, Mm. but they're doing what I do better in a lot of situations. Like the actual performance, I'm not great at performing. I'm not. I'm not the best singer either. Horrible singer, you know, but I've learned how to use my range a little bit and how to present it somewhat decently to a live crowd, but I'm constantly learning you know, simple dance moves, some sort of like thing that you could do <laughs> yeah. that makes this more engaging, and the drag community in Pittsburgh is really amazing at performing It's one of like the greatest groups of people that you could possibly get involved with
0: that's awesome and i I love being that you have that that vision like looking at it and understanding like the art and the effort that goes behind it's the scenes it. into all that stuff right I have some friends that do drag, and it's like. I love talking with them because it's like the amount of time that you spend just putting together an outfit Mm -hmm. is probably more effort than half the bands that I know put into anything that they do. Yeah. And, you know, it's like literally the same. A lot of them are promoters. So they think, you know, they have that promoter brain. They have Mm -hmm. that curating an event, Mm -hmm. putting together outfits, putting together bills of shows the performance are you like,
1: explaining kiss right now they, because they i have no idea <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: i mean they know so much but yeah, yeah. It's, i think a lot of people
1: it's stage, overlook it it's stage presence and performance is what it all boils down to mm-hmm. and as a musician you are a performer and you should have stage presence and we look to each other we look to uh, other bands that you see you see bands come into a town and they do that like boring i don't care kind of thing and uh, you're missing that whole group of people that's in your city performing and giving a shit about what it looks like live. Like, yeah. how can I attract and engage you? And, you know, you see some people performing; and it's just like you're glued to them, you know? And that, I think the drag queen in Pittsburgh does that incredibly well. And it's, there's a bunch of different drag scenes. So, like, other cities have different types of drag performers. Uh, San Francisco is one of their, like, main scenes is just... Um, trying to look like really beautiful and like really pretty and less on the performance aspect. Okay. So the drag, like whole idea becomes more about like uh, how you present yourself and how you carry and act and not so much about, can I lip sync a song or can I um, dance or make a routine or you know, yeah. whatever else? Yeah.
0: That's it's so cool. And thinking about the, the performance aspect of, all of this it's Mm. just how much attitude has just been like ripped out of rock music and live music in general and i think that that's why you see a lot of people gravitating towards like pop stars and hip-hop artists they're like they're like the new rock stars because they have that attitude that i feel that a lot of rock is missing and it always rubs me the wrong way when you'll see like you know Shreddy McShredderson making some post about like, oh, you know, fuck Ariana Grande, fuck Taylor Swifties. Why do these tickets cost so much? Why, you know, all this stuff. It's like there's so much more that's going on behind the scenes to prop up these sort of acts like with the promotion and the production and the songwriting. It's like you don't have any idea. how much time it might seem like okay maybe there's just somebody singing or rapping a song over a backtrack on stage but it's like again you have there's a thousand other things going on
1: yeah they're singing a song over a backing track on stage but they are engaging and they're an incredible performer the crowd is with them at every second it's theater it's live theater you know you get on stage and you're one person commanding an audience you are the party promoter you're the pied piper you're the person there to create that room for people You know, you're inviting people into your space. It's their time. They came to see you with their Friday night, with their Saturday night. It's your time to provide a show. That's different thinking than recording. That's different thinking than uh, writing music. But when you're on stage, you are a performer.
0: Have you given any thought to this? So I find myself being just like unfortunately self-deprecating at times I get, I get constantly i get yeah. in my head about a lot of uh-huh. things and i worry sometimes with the the promotion or the production not promotion but mm-hmm. the production of everything that i'm trying to do when i'm playing shows like is this do i care it's like i obviously care about this but how much of this is a mask like how much am i masking my inabilities with all of this other stuff like No, it shows. Am I confident enough to not have this stuff? Because sometimes there might be a show where I don't have the projector, or we don't have, you know, we don't don't have the gimmicks, and it's like, is this as good?
1: Yeah, here's the difference. You can tell when it's a gimmick, right? Yeah. Uh, What's the the old saying that's like it takes ten thousand hours to become a pro at something? Oh, sure. So everyone is not a pro at making music. Right. You are. You've done this for a long time. I've done this for a long time. There's a lot of people that can say they've spent over 10,000 hours playing their guitar, writing a song, sitting in their room. But everyone that you know, just about every person that you know, is a professional at listening to music. So they have like some sort of skill that they just can't put into words. When someone says this is good, you know, you have to take them at that. They have practice listening to music and taking in information. So when you sit and think about like, um you know the person's blowing off this person it's usually just a lack of language to be able to say what they're actually feeling about what they're seeing or experiencing what they're listening to what they're watching on stage and it's frustrating as a person who spent so much time making something that you don't have the same level of communication with someone who only listens to it Mm. and it's different in take another art form food uh There's a huge boom in Pittsburgh now about like food culture, right? And it's a boom all over the place. People have 10,000 hours eating food easily. You have to. But a lot of people have a lot of time making food as well. So they understand that appreciation, even on some small level. If they can't, you know, you watch cooking shows and then you yourself have made food for yourself. You've also made food for other people. Those are very different things. When I'm cooking for myself, it's like, you know hot dogs and tuna beans and like just throwing garbage in a fucking pot and trying to make sustenance yeah but when you're presenting it to someone you take time without even knowing it or maybe it's not conscious but you're like okay i'm making a meal for someone else so when you go to a restaurant all of that prior knowledge and experience plays into how you rate and judge that meal that you have like you care about the place that you're eating you care about what it looks like you care about the lighting you care about the setting you care about the performance of the waiter or waitress or the chef you know you care about all of these things and take that into account and then at music you hear someone say like nope that's bad right yeah but they've never done the actual creating part they've never done the thing i make a lot of music just for myself No one's going to hear it. I just make a bunch of tracks and I'm like, this is so stupid. (laughs) And I had a great time making it, but I'm never going to play it for someone else. And it just, you know, save on a hard drive or delete it and do whatever, start over again. But it takes time and practice to just like keep trying that every day and doing something else. It's a lot of work. I'm self-deprecating as all fuck, right? So just getting up and going down into the basement and turning on my studio is a difficult thing to do sometimes. Sometimes, instead of that, just go for a walk and try to sing something. You know, you like, you can make music in any way. The, uh, the newest track that I put out is just like everything done the complete wrong way. Because people who make music and get really bent on, you have to do it this way. You have to use Pro Tools. You have to yeah, use I this plugin. Yeah. Right, but you know those people. You know that like line of thought and reasoning. You, we all know that that's a lie. And still, that voice is in the back of your head like, oh, am I doing this wrong? Should I be doing that? Do I have to learn Pro Tools? Do I have to? The answer is no. You know the answer is no. I know the answer is no. But it's still something that eats at every person that has ever made music. Uh, I'm not creative right now. I haven't been able to write a song in six months. All my friends are putting out songs. What's wrong with me? Why can't I? You know, Maybe it's the new synthesizer. Maybe I need to buy a new pedal. It's not. It's never that. This is music is a journey like for you. It's about you. You have to do it because you love it and you enjoy it. Like it is the only thing that gives me joy absolute, pure joy. When I'm like chasing down a song and I have that one idea that it's like this this is the greatest thing that's ever been made you get so excited you know that feeling you're just like this is it this i cannot believe this is so i pulled this out of nowhere i started with nothing i'm completely involved in this world that i've created and then 30 minutes later you're like it's horseshit I I (laughs) i can't believe you know i can't believe i like that but that that moment of this is the best thing ever is all i'm doing constantly just trying to do that every day with the stuff that
0: you're doing now Mm -hmm. this is obviously you know a lot different than what the music you were making 10 years ago back back in our 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 yelly angry
1: music days 10 years ago or eight years ago or seven uh, yeah
0: whatever you know no no, i'm just saying it's
1: been a bunch of different bands and a bunch of different it's whatever uh i'm listening to at that time mixed with who i'm with you know, you forget to take that into account. In a group of people, Shaky Shrines is one of the last bands. I had a very specific vision on a lot of things I wanted to do. And then uh like there were just other people in the band that didn't have that exact same thing. And at a certain point, you're like, you know what? We have to do this as a group. This is a group endeavor. With the Bjordan project, it's just me. So I can I can change it at any whim. I'm not talking to anyone else about whether or not they like it or they want to do it or if this needs another breakdown so whatever i want to do at that time
0: yeah so with the stuff that you're doing now what was Mm. the like the journey for you like getting into just doing stuff that's more pop focused and mentioning buying synthesizers and all Mm. that stuff you know what was that that like just like getting into that world of producing electronic music and like when did you start doing it uh
1: 2017 or 16, I probably had like first synthesizer. Yeah. Uh, the let me think about it. The idea was never to be like an electronic musician. That was never the intention. It started because I bought synthesizers because I wanted to make music by myself and with myself. And my best friend Dave Sermonero moved to Los Angeles, and I was like calling him every day and he was trying to be a recording engineer and you know it's expensive to rent a space it's expensive to try and like book people and it's frustrating to have clients call and cancel and all of that stuff adds into this thing where you're like i don't know if i can afford rent i don't know if i'm going to be able to do this was this a horrible mistake why did i move here and the two of us were both in like a similar place of we just want to do something because we enjoyed doing it and he's not a songwriter but he loves Uh, production just trying to think about like how do i move these sounds you're you're selling air right you're recording and creating air right (laughs) there's not you're just like the speaker is literally vibrating and pushing sound waves so there's not like there's nothing you can grasp onto it's all this like esoteric art of whether whether or not you like something but music comes down to do i like this yes or no move on and we get caught up in that like trying to think about other people and whether they'll like it when it's really you're the best judge if you like it someone else is going to like it so you have to stick with it uh so dave and i would we talk all the time just call constantly he's bored something got canceled he's like yo i'm stuck in on the los angeles freeway and i have 40 minutes can you talk and i told him i've written like a bunch of songs do you want to start uh producing them for me doing something with them i'll do my half I'll produce it a certain way, make it a certain way, and then I will take all of those effects off. Like everything that I've done, I will get rid of, bounce just the stems, send you the stems, and then you do whatever you want. And if you like it, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. And that's just how we did the first like seven tracks. The first record was just back and forth. Whenever he had free time, he'd call and be like, yo, I total this one fucking rules I can't believe, you know what i mean <laughs> cool that joy of like i can't believe i did it though uh-huh. it's so great you know and then tell me about all the things that he did and it was great so we did that back and forth fortunately he's got busy but because he's busy it means that he can't always like turn a song around for me so there's probably a folder of 15 20 songs just sitting on a hard drive that he has of mine that he's like getting to whenever he can and I got sick of just like the only performing the songs that I'd already done. And it was like, why am I waiting for Dave? You know, he he'll get to it when he has time. I know he totally will. But in the meantime, I can still do whatever I want to. So the rest of it just became if I'm into something right now, if I'm like listening to someone, uh Christine and the Queens is an amazing fucking group. I don't know if you ever heard them. No, I haven't. Brilliant. Uh, pop music extremely minimal in production her voice is insane and it's just like really fun really simple pop music uh but one of the things that's always attracted me to pop music is just the idea that simple things are difficult yeah you know what i mean absolutely have you tried to play like the drums and you could play a really or do you play guitar like a really f- fast riff shredding is easy at a certain point like you get muscle memory you get skill developed you're pretty good you can do finger sweeps you know once you get to like all of that stuff it's really difficult to play an extremely slow song because all of your muscle memory is telling you like eight 16 30 seconds and that's the clock you're using in your brain but if you try to slow that down then that time in between each hit has to be precise right so you hit the hi-hat and you're like Oh God, I'm so like, you know, you you can overthink things so quickly. And part of music and creating music and performing it is it becomes muscle memory. So when you have to like think about how slow you're playing or the rest of the band, or you just have to like think and incorporate that into your style, it becomes extremely difficult. And in, let's say like writing, uh, there's a difference between writing long form stories, Tolkien, as opposed to short stories as opposed to poetry right Mm -hmm. we appreciate them all the same and like for different reasons i don't say that like you know all poetry is horrible i love it i read it constantly i've read it forever uh i think it's brilliant when you can articulate a whole idea and like feeling and atmosphere in eight lines you know seven lines um and that's the same way that I think about pop music is that it's this hyper condensed, focused distilling of feeling and emotion. You're trying to take this huge idea and then get it down to as short, as small as you can, but still have like this much feeling in this much space.
0: It's funny thinking about how the word plastic kind of gets thrown uh, mm-hmm. very synonymous with uh, pop music. Mm hmm but I feel like the writing process is anything but like a plastic thing. Yeah. And there's a chaos, almost like cooking where Mm -hmm. if you just have a pot of stuff, you could keep throwing stuff into the pot and it'll eventually taste like something. Mm -hmm. But you know, a good meal depends on like usually relies on like more minimalism. So you can actually taste the specific flavors Mm -hmm. in a dish Yeah, and much like in music. Like, say you're doing chaotic hardcore stuff. Sure. You can have, there's a little bit of, elastic in the playing like it could be a little goofy and shreddy and silly and there could be like a weird extra thing and it's like Mm. well it's all chaos so there's kind of no rules but with like something that's more focused and pop it's like very specific and it's there's no room to kind of fuck around with adding in extra things and just saying well it's supposed to be crazy so it's crazy or
1: yeah it's you could do that if you want yeah it doesn't mean that there are rules there's rules in everything, and they're yeah. immediately meant to be broken. A rule is just something that you use as a guideline, right? Uh, the same, the idea of like restaurants and cooking. A chef at a restaurant does not touch and cook everything that comes out of the kitchen, but you still say that this is Chef so and so's restaurant. This is Chef so and so's five star restaurant. That chef has a staff that creates that food for you every time, and they're churning out a ton of meals all the time. When we think about that with music, you like to say that this person's fake or plastic or pop music, or whatever is cheesy or stupid because there's a writer on it. Like there's a producer, or oh, a writer, yeah. these all these people. And that means that it's not authentic. But that same logic is not applied to food. It's not applied to writing where you have other people, you know, like checking your work or helping you with ideas. It doesn't apply to like uh, TV writing or production or anything else. People should help each other, right?
0: Yeah, it's the power of collaboration. That's what's really <laughs> yeah. fun about music.
1: Yeah. When you see a pop song that has like 15 writers on it, that's amazing. Those 15 people agreed to to be like, this is, I think, the best way to present this idea. This feeling, this idea, what I want to convey is best done like this. Everyone likes that... Uh, the meme with what's her face, Beyonce, uh, the girl song, because all the lyrics are girls who run the world, girls. Mm. That sentence, girls who run the world, girls, is an extremely important sentence to say aloud, right? We have been, <laughs> put it simply, we've been shitting on women forever, okay? You need a powerful anthem for women. And the best way to tell, like, a young girl that she could do whatever the fuck she wants to and she can grow up to be whoever the fuck she wants to, is to say 50 times, girls who (laughs) runs the world, girls. That's been used in cultures all over the world. So why do we look at it when Beyonce does it and say, oh, like this is horrible writing. I can't believe it. Have you listened to that song? I feel fucking amped when I listen to that song. I just feel like there's people that they just want
0: to not like something on the surface before just for whatever reason they have. Well, you know,
1: boil most of it down and it's frustration. I've been doing this for so long and it's every step of the way. It's frustrating. You know, when it comes to like trying to put your music on a platform, uh, you have to pay an aggregate company. They have to like, you know, accumulate your money or whatever, and then send it back to you in a check. This person gets this part. This person gets this part. That's even now in the era that I actually get any money, we lived through pure volume. We lived through MySpace. Yeah, Reverb Nation. Reverb Nation. You are- Reverb-nation. <laughs> Reverb-nation. lived through never getting paid once for anything that you've ever done, right? Yeah. And it's just supposed to be like, well, do it because you love it. You know, there's so many contradicting ideas at play here. Uh, it's important to get paid for your work, you know? And at this time, you can get paid for your work, so you might as well. Uh i think
0: there's an interesting conversation with a lot of people that talk to me about making money in a band and not making money in, yeah. in a band and right. i feel that if you are a little bit smart about how you choose to release your music where you choose to play shows how you choose to play mm-hmm. shows it's not that hard to make some money yeah. i mean i'm not talking about like Living fully off of it, but keeping the project itself sustainable is completely yeah. possible and not that hard. Yeah, I just think a lot of people will—they take the things that are easiest, like mm-hmm. the easiest offers. Like you know, we'll play a show at X venue. We're not getting paid, but it's a show, and yeah. I, I'm Put into yourself that. yourself out there. Yeah, yeah you got to do that. But also, there's a point where if you're going to simultaneously complain about not making money from shows. You have the power yes. to say, okay, well, we're going to cut this out, and you know, I'm going to set up my own show. You can hit up a venue,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: You could book it. You could find some bands. You're if you're your own promoter for a show, and you make some sick merch, Yeah. And, you know, you, you,
1: you don't can even, make some money. You don't even need the merch. I mean, and part of it, t-shirts
0: is, are a good way to make yeah. some money.
1: <laughs> they are. <laughs> part of it is trying to figure out like, who do you contact? At most bars and venues it's a bar manager that does the scheduling of the events if you're 21 you can go to that bar and just say i'd like to speak to the manager or the person that schedules the event that's how it's done totally walk into a room and ask another human being how do i perform here yeah and what's the deal is it a door deal do i have to rent the room is there sound am i playing paying for a sound guy am i paying for security and then it's you know cost benefit which place is best for me to play uh I go with Spirit most of the time because I love everyone that works there. And most of my shows are extremely large productions. And they give me the most time and space and lenience on everything. Like I was doing Sunday night shows because I knew they were closed on Monday. And I could come back on Monday and clean everything up. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) like I have so much stuff to do on Sunday night. And it also, working in the service industry, it allows people whose weekend is Sunday and Monday to oh, come yeah. to a show. It's that like, not everyone has Friday and Saturday off. There's a large group of people that I love that works Friday and Saturday, myself included. So it's nice to do something on a Sunday, have those people be able to come and then work with a venue that's like, we appreciate your show. We appreciate your business and what you do. And it's totally fine if you come back on Monday and clean it. Mm-hmm. But it's all about asking. You have to like, just take the effort to ask someone, is this okay? What's the deal I can make on it? Now most of those shows, uh not most all those shows, I don't make any money off of because I end up paying all of the performers with that money. We're still at like the ten dollar uh ticket. If you if you that
0: sometimes even feels like you're asking for too much, which it's, is ridiculous. It does
1: feel like you're asking too much. It does. It's a and it feels like you're asking too much because nobody gets paid a living wage in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like Totally. So it is, it's not the music industry's fault. It's not the people trying to come to your show's fault. And for that reason, like if you want to come to one of my shows and you don't have $10, that's fine. Just tell me. Uh, I would love it if you had the $10 because that money's going directly to everyone that you've watched perform tonight. Like that's the big idea. And it's a radical idea, which is crazy when someone's like, oh my God, you're going to give me $200 or $150. And you're like, yeah, that's not enough. That is not enough for the amount of work and effort that you've put into this. I wish I could give you five hundred dollars for this, but you know, at this point, it's only two hundred bucks.
0: Mm-hmm. With reaching out to venues and mm-hmm. organizing shows and releasing music and promoting it online, mm-hmm. and was this something that you had your hands in prior to doing this new project? Like, what's your experience been? Just growing i guess we've all kind of as we've evolved over this past decade social media has been kind of right that you know Mm. that shadow behind us like give into it give into it and i'm not like i'm a social person but i don't really like being online a whole lot yeah um so it's i'm always like i never say it out loud but like oh if you know if it wasn't for the band i wouldn't have a facebook page but it's probably very (laughs) true like if 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 i didn't need to but i feel like you have to have it, you, but like once you don't what's I don't your experience been like been with uh just everything, just like getting the word out to people and like promoting and just yeah like getting, getting the getting word it out yeah. I get
1: people's phone numbers and I text them, and oh, call gee. them and say that I have an event that I think you'd enjoy <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. it's the best way, like I made a Facebook page that I rarely update that's essentially there when someone has no other way to find me, and it says like if you want any update uh look at me on instagram and i will post something once every three weeks you know may, <laughs> maybe at that yeah and if you really want to get in contact with me fucking text me <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> see me somewhere and say hello you'll see me i'll be somewhere just say hi yeah
0: it's really complicated
1: getting involved and like
0: trying to figure out like what social media platform we should use and what we shouldn't use. I like talk with younger people and it's like none of them are on Facebook and it's all Snapchat and TikTok And I don't have either of those things. And it's just, it's always changing. So it seems so silly to invest too much time into these things that are inevitably going to go away when the music's going to be there forever.
1: Yeah. That works for some people, you know, chasing uh, the newest trend and chasing the newest, uh, way to reach people whatever it may be that works for some people not for everyone and at the base like when you take the big idea of music and distill it all the way down it has to be because you love it and you enjoy it yeah so at that thing your song has to be good and not just to you it has to be good which believe it or not a lot of people have ten thousand hours listening to music they could tell you if it's good or not listen to them if it's good Keep focusing on like making this song better. How do I? Is it uh, you know play with things like length? Or my newest thing, if if you've noticed, is uh, that short. I'm trying to go shorter, shorter. I think that every it's a big, song it's tr- a big trend now. I'm noticing in general, a lot of people are doing short songs. Well, I think that most songs are going to be two minutes. Like that's going to be it. And where I, I hate it. I'm just gonna say (laughs) you can it's different for every person Uh right but i totally get it but like why would you so what's the reasoning behind making it short and for me music has always music has a way to communicate with other people an idea right it's a way to make them feel a certain way and communicate something to a large group of people and the way the length of a song has changed with every new medium that we put out that's just what it is cd changed The way that like the record changed, cassette changed, everything is changing. And to fight it is kind of fruitless. That doesn't mean that if the song you're writing deserves to be a 15-minute dirge, to like be like, oh, it has to be two minutes. Yeah. Again, it's a guideline or you know, if it's a rule, it's meant to be broken. You have to think about it on a song-to-song basis. Absolutely. I'm writing short songs now as a challenge to myself because I think it is going to be. The kind of way that we're all moving and in like this streaming culture and this like constant uh, get something now a lot of it isn't just like it's streaming culture it's song music tied to video so your song is just an element of a greater piece of like content that someone's creating you're just part of it Uh, it's not like the artist creating this like record that has to be sat down and listened to on a record player and digested only in one way it's collaborative we're working with other people whether you know it or not and so when you're writing a song taking a song in like the two minute form that old like intro you know two bar instrumental intro first verse pre-chorus chorus outro second verse pre-chorus yeah, yeah, yeah. chorus bridge that isn't like that's the way that a lot of people wrote songs, and I've written songs like that. Some of them I've written them just to try to make the form work. Uh, and at one point I'll be like, "This is a great song," and then twenty minutes later, I'll be like, "This is a horrible song." <laughs> Why did I try to force myself into this like rigid structure? Because it's a rule that you think you have to follow. You don't. You don't have to follow any rules. Uh, so taking like the two minute structure, most of my songs now are starting with like a chorus then into a verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, just like a second part, and then a chorus, and done. And the second, the bridge part isn't even really a bridge. It's just like an alternate verse. Yeah. It's just creating a new melody to make something different, but it's taking like the elements of a song and just trying to play with them and manipulate them in some way that makes it more interesting to me. So if I'm interested by it, I think someone else will be too. And that's all I that's all it is, you know?
0: Yeah, I think again, just that the energy that you put out into the world will come back at you. Mm -hmm. And I feel that having that confidence in your work Mm -hmm. is so crucial. And just paying attention to the work and making it the best that you can before putting it out and being happy with it i find that there's a lot of people that are like rushing to get content out and it seems like oh we need to have a new song out every month every other week and it's just i mean you could do that but it seems like there's like more of a focus on just putting out content versus what you're actually putting out right and that bums me out when i see people do yeah
1: it definitely does and you can tell when someone's doing that uh when you were talking about like gimmicks and does it feel like a uh me having these lights does it feel like this gimmick is going to come across or is this thing going to when we judge art whatever whether that's like you know whatever form music food movies whatever i think one of the fundamental things people are judging it on is intention versus attention so it's like can i see and recognize the intention of the creator in this work do i is there something about this that i can like tell you know every little piece is here because it has to be here the salt was added because it had to be Mm. you know what i mean like yeah you can tell a really great chef that everything is there because it has to be there and you might not understand why but you just like know fundamentally that there was a lot of intention behind what was created and then on the other side it's that attention like how much attention uh does this deserve or how much attention should I give it? How much attention do other people give it? You know, like you can think about it, separate it in two different ways. So that intention part is like the creator and the attention part is the kind of stepping back yeah, and thinking about it from a wider lens. So focus on your part and then you still have to pay attention to that larger audience, the like other part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, the intention of why a creator creates is something that I focus on so much more now mm-hmm. versus what is actually happening. Yeah. I could be watching a band perform that I don't even care that much about, like Dave Matthews' band. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of their music, but I will watch them play for hours because they're so like they're Mm -hmm. such talented musicians and they're so honed in Mm -hmm. on what they're doing that I love seeing it and every little thing is there for a reason. Yeah, it's so cool to hear that. And then sometimes, I mean, I come from like a death metal background and hearing all this stuff, and I go back and listen to a lot of that stuff. It's like the technicalities there, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what the intention of this was other than just creating chaos. It doesn't feel no. like it's actually like, and if the put in, together,
1: but if the intention is to create chaos, then that is a Th- then
0: separate it success- thing. Then it's right? yeah, they're successful. Uh,
1: Pharmacon. I don't know if you know her, yeah. but hers, her whole performance is oh, the intention to totally chaos, you know? And there was, there were a lot of people in Pittsburgh. Pharmacon played at uh, Brillo box. There were a lot of people in Pittsburgh. I think it was Brillo. Uh, she played here and a lot of people wanted to go because of the uh, label that she was on it. To me, at least it seemed like a lot of people were just like, Oh, she's on this label. So yeah, yeah. it's, she's on this new records on sacred bones. It's a really cool label. I bet I'm going to love this. I've heard other sacred bones acts. Little did most of those people know that pharmacon is a lot different than other acts on sacred. Bones, And her intention behind her art is to make it like as chaotic and almost unlistenable and sure. noisy and her performance is just like gut-wrenchingly terrifying yeah <laughs> everything is meant to like the stuff
0: that grab and she like she does or freak like freak you out yeah. just, i mean like japanese noise artists mm-hmm. that are off the charts and yeah. then like but the thing is like intention and intensity mm-hmm. like i've i've seen bjork perform live and mm-hmm. her even it's so minimal and light it's still intense With very (laughs) specific intention in a different way. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, I just like, it's so, there's barely anything going on. But with the way that it's being presented to you, it like chills you to the fucking bone. Yeah. Right. It's awesome.
1: And think about it this way. Like we're having a discussion about music, right? The two of us have been making music for a long time. We've been performing music. This is like what we do. Okay. And still... When you're trying to explain to me, Bjork, the words are just not there. You're like, I don't know how to fucking tell you, dude. It it was terrifying. It was amazing. My skin was crawling. Imagine that to someone who has no language. You know, the people that just listen to music. That's the big miscommunication in music in general, whether you're creating or just like consuming music, is that language about music is so difficult. Because most of what music does is a feeling or... A thing that you get personally it's just it's so personal and that thing is like that miscommunication drives everyone to all of these frustrations and anger and why isn't this working and if only i'm on tiktok then <laughs> i can <laughs> you know what i mean all of that conversation really boils down to i don't have a good way to talk about this mm-hmm. uh and we saw it with like music journalism. You remember the era of Pitchfork where if you got <laughs> like an eight on Pitchfork, you were the coolest fucking thing in the world. Some bands, true. And like some bands, yes, they deserve all of your attention. Others, no. Yeah. Right? It it, But it became like a rule where if it was this, then I have to go. If they got an eight on Pitchfork or not, oh my God, they got a sure. 10. I have to go. You know?
0: I get it. I feel like, oh a lot of people are just the average we'll say the average listener they're mm-hmm. so busy with life they're not musicians and i think a lot of people yeah. just rely on critics not because they don't you know have a mind of their own it's just that they don't have the time to yeah. dissect through all of these things so they rely on your pitchforks or your anthony fantanos yeah, to tell your you like like. It's like the homie in school that you don't have anymore because you're not in school anymore. So you, like, you rely on those sorts of people. But yeah. the thing with me that I feel really fortunate about now, although I felt burned about it at the time, was mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I just didn't like good music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Like, I, you know, I was like,
1: Yeah, you could admit Korn, that. Corn,
0: Slipknot, Mindless hey, Indulgence, all that
1: I still love all that stuff. I just started listening to Corn. Uh, Who <laughs> was it Corn that wrote a people like what well, shit is that no the it's song? slipknot slipknot yeah. okay never i've totally wrote slipknot off and it was like no this sucks like i hate this i hate the whole gimmick as a kid hated it yeah, and then yeah. as an adult fucking love that song yeah it's it's an amazing <laughs> song yeah. i was listening to it and i think i posted an instagram story of me just listening to him be like this fucking rules and my <laughs> wife my wife sent me a message it was like are you okay like, <laughs> like, like what what is going on in yeah. your life like this is fucking great this, I'm wearing right now a tomb, uh, tomb mold hat and shirt. I've never fucking heard of this band. Okay. But this stuff's made by Phil Trona, local kid. Yeah. The prince of this. I love Phil. Uh, and I try to like just buy the clothes and merch that like my friends make. So he made this hat and I reached out to Phil and was like, I gotta get that hat. I have no idea who this band is though. Like, where do I start? So he's like, yo, check this record out, check this record out. And then, uh, I just listened to like everything that they've put out so far, and Abyss Walker, one of their songs, fucking brilliant. It has that like weird kind of like um, uh, the melodic, almost like you know, like when you hit the top of the, like yeah. the head of the guitar, that like like weird, real weird, dissonant kind of thing. Yeah, they just have a riff that's essentially to me sounds like that. I know that's not how they made it, but that's like the thing that it feels like to me, and that thing is so catchy. Code Orange used to do that a lot in their beginning like the start of, and they still yeah. do it like that one weird riff that's just like you no. know what i mean it's just that like real crazy shit i love it it's amazing it's so fun
0: like thinking about what i was gonna say is listening to all that stuff growing up at the time that was mm-hmm. the stuff that i loved but it always got shit on in reviews yeah, yeah. like in like all and the now, popular things now when, i love it where <laughs> all the popular people would be like ah fuck that fuck that and i'm like mm. Luckily, at the time, you know, I'm just like, you know, little grumpy metalhead yeah. kid. I'm like, fuck all that. I <laughs> like this stuff. So it really formed me. And then yeah. as I got older, it was always just like, fuck reviewers. Like, right. even with movies. It's yeah. like, now as an adult, like, I I can look at something that is, you know, critically acclaimed, a good film, a good a good music performance, mm-hmm. and I have respect for it. But I also like things that are kind of intentionally schlocky. Yeah, like a Slipknot. They, they were never trying to do high art. No, it means I was like, high art. I was arguing with somebody jokingly uh, about the Mortal Kombat movies and about how like mm. they're not good. And I'm like, yeah, they're not good. But it's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's not supposed to be
1: good. All right, if you want, right. there's
0: plenty of other good movies yeah. that you want to watch and that's how you want to spend your time
1: yeah Nicolas miss- cage is not you're good totally but he's missing- amazing you're
0: like missing the point and right. i feel like sometimes it's like it right. just it bums me out and the other thing that bums me out too is when people i see this a lot will talk about something a movie or a song and it's like well it's not the best thing i ever heard but it's pretty good it's like why'd you have to say that <laughs> like why does everything that you interact <laughs> have with be- have to be the best yeah. all the time yeah. why can't things just be okay yeah because life is just okay
1: and that's but that's also what that's also one person's opinion where they are at their life at that moment it's not the best of them and there might be 50 people online who have that same thing and then all of a sudden this like you know you're a creator so you're like weak and susceptible you already i already hate myself i already like (laughs) doubt everything so you listen to that and you're like oh my god it must be everyone it's not it's never everyone you know You have to do it because you like it and you believe in it and you're the one that is getting that joy and that someone else is going to feel that same way you do. If the loudest person in the room is like, I don't like this because it sucks, you know, the person behind him is like, "Eh, I kind of think it's cool. You know, there's probably five people behind him that are like, "Eh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's like who you're constantly making art for, not just uh, for the one reviewer who's going to tell you that it's a 7.3. Yeah. It's like I I feel that
0: it's right for me, then it's right for someone. Yeah. And I feel so much more better making stuff that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And if a hundred people like it tight, it'd be cool if a thousand people liked yeah. it or 10,000. And I, bet. but I don't want to like sacrifice my character or do something yeah. that I like create something that it isn't from me. Mm-hmm. Just I get more people to engage with something yeah. that i'm doing.
1: And i bet 1,000 or 10,000 people do like it they just haven't heard it or had enough time and space in their life to digest it or like sit with your song and figure it out. Uh how many bands in like the streaming era have become popular that were from like 1968 that you never heard of, oh, you sure. know? And then you're yeah. like, "Holy shit, i never knew Sir Lord Baltimore." was fucking tight metal you know uh-huh. i never fucking knew that existed you know how bummed those guys were when they were making music <laughs> yeah you know and it's now a, like huge fan you know i thought it was so funny when tool finally released all their stuff on
0: spotify and there yeah. was all those younger people like who's
1: tool yeah. <laughs> who is this old man band? <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's that that's just like how You know, it's it's always going to be that way. There's always going to be some form of music uh, that's put in front of you because an industry or a group of people decide to put a lot of money behind it and put that in front of you. And you can sit and digest it however you want to. But there's also a lot of people just creating shit that uh, I don't care if anyone hears my songs ever. I'm really glad if they do. I hope they enjoy it. But that's not the intention behind any of it. If it's 30 people that listen to it forever, then like, great you know it is extremely difficult to have the spotify for artists app that lets you look in real time how many people are listening you're like fuck it's like three people you know what i mean yeah totally so with like technology that's and that's just one more thing that can bum me out or get me depressed or be like you know don't go downstairs and turn this to you know there's a lot of shit in your life that is constantly telling you not to it's
0: it's it's it sucks but it's also humbling in a way yeah. and it is like inspiring for somebody like me to see yeah. those numbers because it's like well yeah. there are three people right now there's I three people going. right now maybe that's more than i would expect tight mm-hmm. or if i want more it's okay well let's write some good music and yeah. release it yeah <laughs> that's all we could do if we could I complain write, about it or we could just yeah.
1: if i focus again on writing good music that's uh-huh. the like most important part not the how do I do this? How do I market this? Do I have to pay for this marketing company? Should I buy Facebook versus Instagram ads? Should this be like a TikTok only video? Should I change this song to make it a TikTok song? You yeah, know, all that is like esoteric mumbo jumbo, usually talked about and like given to you from the perspective of someone who doesn't make music. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you go to YouTube to get advice from people who have never made music in their life, and they're like you really need a brand manager.
0: <laughs> I think about it sometimes, like video games. So mm. growing up, Nintendo, Sega, Genesis—when mm. video games were video games, yeah. as far as my <laughs> grumpy ass is concerned. Yeah. Because yeah. there was, it was there was something simple, you know. You played the game. There wasn't all this extra mumbo jumbo now. Where yeah, if you you play, or, you play yeah. a video game now. It's like there's it's chaos there's so much it's like why can't i just like pick up the controller two buttons one jumps one throws the thing and that's yeah. it that's like how i want my life in music to be yeah just a few buttons i write songs i release them i play shows people listen to it that's it i don't want mm-hmm. all the extra stuff yeah but now being a musician in 2020 feels like playing a new video game where like you got to know about all of the dlc packages and playing online and here's meeting with the other thing
1: people. here's the thing you don't have to you don't because you know that there are people releasing video games on Steam that just focus on that. Totally. Shit and you love that more. Yeah. You like you listen to it or you play that game and you're like, this is way fucking better than the new thing that EA put out or the new thing that, Fine. you know, whatever. I'm still Blizzard I'm still I'm out. still
0: I'm still riding my wave. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I'm not I'm not jumping on any other wave, but I know I think it's just like, you know, the inevitable influence of seeing those out you're surrounded by it yeah it's real. it's really almost impossible to not get swallowed by it's it. it's impossible
1: because, to keep the blinders on and just focus on yourself yeah totally. it is yeah you know, that's it, all like apps and things really are and all these different things it's just distraction to distract you from what you should be doing which is the art that makes you happy yeah you
0: know? i think so much about my time Ten years ago, fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. really getting into starting to like make beats and do things. This was MySpace wasn't even a thing. You know, we had like AOL Instant Messenger. That was the closest thing mm-hmm. to social media. And I was I felt just so much more productive in that time frame because I didn't spend so much time thinking about like, oh, well, we got it. We haven't posted on Instagram in a while. Yeah. We better take a photo or do like yeah. all. It was all just make the music, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll get a show. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking like dropping off cds to manny at garfield artworks and he'll book us uh Uh, like that those good old (laughs) days bro uh Uh, and and it's so different now and it's easier now in a lot of ways and i'm not i'm I'm not trying to like romanticize the past it's just that i've like taken a lot of steps over the past year to separate myself so much from worrying about the internet and as a result i've been a lot more productive
1: so it's good it's easier now in the sense that you've become more educated on how you do things for yourself. So it's easier to you because you've grown as a person and you understand that like, Oh, I don't need Manny to book this show. I can just call someone (laughs) and then not give Manny all the money. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, it's never, there's a lot of people who are just starting fans now that haven't heard like the idea that you don't need a promoter. You can just call someone or ask them.
0: I think that there are a lot of, bands figuring this out now Mm -hmm. just from me talking with people on the podcast and it's been a lot of people recently it seems that so many bands now are doing the fuck the promoter Mm -hmm. and we'll just do this ourselves and the only negative side effect that i've seen of it is it's one of those things that kind of creates those bubbles that i was talking about Mm -hmm. because instead of it being like a promoter that is bringing a bunch of bands from different circles together You'll yep. have a band that books a show. And then who are we going to book? Well, we're going to book our friends that would be here. Any, You know what I mean? Then right, there's, there's but, little there's little circles.
1: Right. But as a band doing that, you should learn that that's not necessarily the best way to do it. Oh, yeah. You should be trying to bring more people into whatever you're doing. Some do. Some yeah. don't. yeah. Don't learn. Don't get there. <laughs> you know, we've done this a long time. Yeah.
0: There's no there's no right or wrong way no. to do anything as I, no. I feel like as, as long as you and the people around you are happy and healthy mm-hmm. then you're doing it right
1: as long as you enjoy it and you are giving a stage to other people it's the best yeah
0: with performing mm-hmm. and interacting with other artists you'd mentioned that you know doing the stuff that you're doing now that you're playing with drag queens and things like that mm-hmm. but bands what is like if you imagine you had to have played shows with other bands yeah i book people all the time what's Mm -hmm. that been like just working with other bands do you work with try to work with other solo artists or just like whatever i'll play with whoever
1: it depends what the show is yeah if it's a show that i book then the intention of the show is to be single people performers uh the idea that as an audience it's your choice to judge what's the difference between me singing to a backing track or a drag queen lip syncing to a song or uh, my friend Jonathan playing the piano with a backing track and like a bunch of projections. Like what's the, what do you see as an audience member that is different of these people and what makes them the same? You know, like what is the similarity? Because I look at it and say, it's all performance, it's all art, and it's all amazing that one person can do it. Yeah. And it's different every time, you know, one person doesn't have to be uh, the electronic musician with 50 things in front of them. Mm-hmm. One person can be whatever you think the show should be. Uh with bands, I just, you know, pick friends that I like and friends that uh want to do a show or someone who says, like, oh, this might be too weird, or you know. And those are for the specific shows that I book for myself, like the Bjordan Presents shows. If it's uh another bill, I'll hop on with anyone, you know. It doesn't I did uh Ryan Brown is a promoter that does a bunch of stuff. He does a uh, make sure you have fun, which is an event like a party promotion thing that he does and he did a festival called the city and it was mainly rappers and it was awesome like two full floors of spirit filled with a bunch of different like hip-hop rap acts and then i performed downstairs which is really (laughs) funny uh, because no one knew what was coming and i was wearing a jumpsuit and it was hysterical because people were like the fuck is this guy It looks like a janitor that comes sure. out on stage and just like start singing these weird ass songs but it's fun it opens a dialogue to be like this this performance can look different and can be done different you know uh, a lot of kids that perform like specifically like rap and hip-hop look at the festival stage and they see someone like Lil Uzi Vert and think that you have to have a backing track that is your finished track right you're like that's your the same track that you'll put on Spotify is the track that you're going to perform live. That's not the case. Most of the time, not most all the time, I make backing tracks for a live setting. Yeah. A lot of clubs don't have a lot of low end in their speakers, so my backing track will have a fuck ton of low end in it. You know, yeah. way more than what I would put online. Yeah. Uh I know there's a loss of like the high end starts to get like real jumbled and crunchy and can get crushed. So just try to like clean things up and make it a good track to be played on a bunch of different PA systems. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause you never know what yeah. club you're getting to. And as a performer, if you find a club with a really good system, use that club, you know, let them know that like, Hey, I love playing here because yeah. this is great.
0: Yeah. Any, if you ever have a good experience as a musician or anything at a place, mm-hmm. Thank the sound tech. Yeah. Thank the yeah. lighting tech. Yeah. Thank the bartender. Uh-huh. Be super cool to everybody. Let them know that you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those people, as much as they love their work, they it could be miserable and daunting. It's de- live sound is the worst <laughs> yeah. job in the world, and uh, it, it always I feel like it. They appreciate it.
1: Yeah, if you are a live sound engineer and the uh, band sounds bad, it's you. Everyone blames the oh yeah uh, engineer That's right the,
0: you can't polish a
1: turd right scenario. Yeah. but if it sounds good everyone just tells the band how great they sounded <laughs> you know what i mean it's, yeah, just, it's just like literally. the live sound engineer is the thankless job when i perform live i use a uh, warren pride is my other half of the live band sound daddy is what i call him <laughs> he's
0: uh, definitely a sound daddy. yeah
1: he's a man so we've worked together on what works best for me and what works best for him so He'll suggest microphones that he thinks are better for me to get. Uh, I wanted a wireless mic because I didn't want to be like stuck on stage. It's just me. and I try to like pull people onto the stage and do it, like just get the party going. So I was like, I need, I can't be restricted to just stand in the same area. Find me a wireless mic that won't feedback as much or one that, you know, and he'll help me do that. Uh, He also suggested that I get like in-ear monitors changed my life. If you're a musician, buy in-ear monitors. If you sing, they're insane. It's so amazing. You can buy like the the first one I got was a Pyle makes it, and it's like a three hundred dollar transmitter pack and headphones. It sounds stupid, but it is so amazing to hear just yourself. And a sound engineer can give you a perfect mix. Yeah, that's just like just tailored to you. And for my performances, it's great because Warren can set up a microphone at the sound booth and he can talk directly to me <laughs> yeah. into my ears uh-huh. and no one else yeah, can hear. yeah so it's like i'll look crazy because i'll just answer a question into the live microphone like oh you son of a bitch <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> 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 but he's telling yeah. me like hey don't go that far to the right you're going to start the feedback or get back over here or no one can see you you're like out of the lights get back onto the stage and, and he'll kind of direct me in my headphones which that's is so awesome yeah
0: yeah i've gotten really really obsessive over my live sound for the Sex mm-hmm. and new violent stuff and it's to a point now where like i built a rack mount for our backtracks and actually i feed yeah. out eight di lines for our backtracks mm-hmm. and everything's separated yeah. in the daw so instead of being like here's one track mm-hmm. it's like here's all here's a di line for drums for synth and like mm-hmm. you're mixing this sound guy if we need more low end just so it doesn't yeah. like Fuck with the sounds of everything, you know. Like, I don't want to be like, "Oh, there's not enough low end in this mix," but you're just boosting it on a a full backtrack. So now everything,
1: yeah. So I've just gotten like really obsessive over it, and that's different as like a young musician, you creating the music and recording is one thing, and then that's this live thing is separate. And you play (laughs) at you know whatever terrible club or church basement or (laughs) library or wherever you play, and you're like, I just don't understand why. I sound so terrible, and every band that I see at Mr. Smalls or Stage 8 or whatever sounds so clear and amazing. You know, it has to be that the sound guy here, you know, my friend Carl or whatever, isn't doing enough, or it has to be this, it has to be that. What you're not noticing is that most of those bands touring bigger venues like the medium to big size bands are bringing a specific sound engineer who has all their studio outboard gear on a rack with a separate mixer mixing everything perfectly and then sending the outs of that into the house board. So they've done all the work. The guy at the venue is just getting like a left and right channel of the completely mixed yeah. sound. It's amazing. I listened to it first with the, I was in the Harlan twins playing drums and we played at Mr. Smalls with uh doctor dog and backstage, the sound guy had this like huge road case full of, every piece of amazing gear that you could ever want and i started talking to him and he's like no just put the headphones on straight from the board and listen to it and it sounded better than their record it was like an amazing amazing sound and they're playing it live and he's like yeah and then all i do is send this to the house and that's what everyone hears out there amazing all of the effects he knows their set he knows their show he knows like like a lighting guy timing when yeah this person I know that guitar X is going to do this thing over here and it's going to be extremely loud. So I'm going to like pull the fader back because I've done this show 50 times. You know, there's that working with other people that can take your live show to the next level. And it doesn't have to be when you're the biggest band touring Mr. Smalls. It can start now. You can start like buying small stuff or testing it out or getting a friend who's kind of interested in recording and be like, Hey, do you want to try to maybe run the live sound for us at these shows? Like, how can you get more people involved Mm -hmm. in this thing that you do? I feel like it's
0: funny when we sat down, you had made some comment, like, oh, I got all the stuff. And I was just (laughs) like, Yeah, whenever I get into something, I just like want to go full Mm -hmm. force, regardless of, you know, if there's three people listening or three thousand people listening. It's just like I wanted to do a podcast and it was like, okay, well. This, let's let's do it uh, yeah <laughs> let's do yeah. a fucking podcast yeah. you know let's get the whole fucking camera yeah. and the whole sh- get spiel this brick wall get this fucking brick wall <laughs> all that shit so i want to address something before we wrap up uh-huh the pronunciation of your project yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. uh uh-huh. i go bjorden bjorden yeah like bjork
0: okay. okay it was funny because at the top of the episode i think i may have said b jordan That's i'm sure totally you probably fine. get
1: that so much my name my real name is Braden, and everyone has called me brandon brandon brian my grandmother called me brian it does not bother me so it's hysterical that but- i chose i chose bjordan <laughs> because at one time i'm from a big family like one of seven kids so we'd have like sunday dinner and you'd get like bill collectors call the house someone had called the house on a sunday and asked for borden farfamped (laughs) and my mom thought it was hysterical because it was just so extremely (laughs) off and she's like you know what i think he is here and i'm like yeah i'm here and then just sort of like you know we'd grab the phone and i'd be like oh you're looking for borden oh yeah let me get him and then i just pass it to a brother and a brother would be like oh hey what's up and start talking and then go oh borden and pass the phone so that's where it it started with like borden and bjordan is the funny uh bjork version
0: it was funny whenever i mentioned bjork before Mm -hmm. it clicked in my head (laughs) and i was like oh fuck
1: well (laughs) you know know the uh, like the the conundrum of like picking a band name and having it be searchable or having people be able to find you or tag you and all that stuff uh b jordan bjordan no one has that until A little movie came out called black panther in which michael b jordan is the (laughs) most searchable term like immediately after i released the record it was b jordan everything and then everyone was like oh michael b jordan (laughs) yeah so yeah i mean at least you're attached to something cool if you look forward to it's either like people looking for michael b jordan just occasionally see me like (laughs) (laughs) what's that yeah
0: so uh coming up do you have anything interesting you've been dropping singles i imagine mm-hmm. there's probably some more in the in the crock pot yeah there's a ton
1: of yeah a ton of shit coming yeah so yeah. you just be dropping stuff i'll just be dropping stuff. No, no
0: set schedule just whenever you feel like it. yep
1: yeah whatever. any shows coming up uh spirit for the first friday in april i believe is the one april like fourth or third i don't know cool. it's, it's 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 spirit you'll see me
0: yeah <laughs> and if uh people want to find you online mm-hmm. <laughs> they can yeah. dig through all the black panther stuff yeah, on google or the they can go to they could go, michael
1: b jordan yeah
0: or they could go to a facebook page that
1: will tell them to go to instagram yeah instagram is basically the only place i do anything and um, it's bjordan b-j-o-r-d four n because someone has the other one
0: uh-huh. <laughs> so they can find you on instagram or uh-huh. they can um
1: text you yeah just text. that's me. the best yeah, way. yeah. hit me <laughs> up on instagram tell me your phone number and yeah just text me yeah,
0: yeah. and then he'll let you know about any events coming yeah, up. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. yeah with that stuff do you like uh just go through your contact list just like hey like i think these people would enjoy it and just let them know
1: yeah it's usually like who i think will enjoy it uh if i've talked to someone recently and they're like when's the next show you know you always get that but you could tell when someone is actually interested in, in saying like hey, when are you actually performing again? So I'll kind of do a mental note or uh, if I am I know I'm playing with a specific band, uh, like I did a show with Black Marble and I know a lot of people that would love Black Marble. So I'll just go through and specifically say like, hey, I'm doing a show, but you should really check out Black Marble. Here's a link to like his video. So yeah. Come check that out. Super cool.
0: Yeah. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. Jordan. Yeah, Good Thanks, times. Fine. Yeah, Cheers. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. We're done. That's it.
1: Hell yeah.